Good morning. This is Pastor Todd. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Gathering Place podcast. This week, I am sharing a message for the church. I trust the Lord uses it to encourage and build you up. And here is this week's message. Uh, he pastors alongside me here in this church, and I pray, Lord, that you would use his heart and use his mind this morning to speak uh, your words to us and open our ears to hear what you uh, want us to learn, want us to know. Uh, bless Pastor Byron this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Yep. Good morning. All the smiling faces. <laughs> but I, I just, um, uh, at prayer time this morning, uh, Holy Spirit kind of reminded, showed me something that there's just been an increase, a steady increase of his presence, the presence of Jesus, and the activity of the Holy Spirit. And, it, and it's been a growing thing. I talked to Jerry, he says he's noticed this now for even longer than what I noticed it for. So in saying that, before we get into the message, I'm convinced that during the activities on Sunday morning, I want your expectation to rise up for healing, deliverance, uh, uh, things broken off, provision. The Holy Spirit is going to be ministering to all of us in this place and raise up your expectation for him to touch you. Wayne reminded me, of uh, where he was at, he heard about that during a service, during the service, right, Wayne, a woman was healed and all her pain left. So it's, uh, God is not stuck with just laying hands for the sick, although that's reality. But I'm, I'm saying as a pastor that raise your expectation for God to touch you during the activities that we have on Sundays and on Wednesdays. You okay with that? You okay with that? Be ready. So we're finishing up 1 Timothy. And uh, as I was going through this and looking at these scriptures, we're going to start with the last verse in, the, in that chapter and end with the last verses of that two chapters. Five and six. So what, what verse am I talking about? I'm talking about 1 Timothy 6, 20 and 21. Timothy, guard what you've been trusted to, to your care. Turn away from godless chatter and opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed, and in doing so, have departed from faith. Could that happen in church? That what you're hearing and what's going on can diminish your faith when God's heart is to increase your faith. And he's challenging Timothy to... to Guard, guard that position. And that position is not just for pastors. 
It's for all of us. Guard your heart. Guard who you are. Guard your relationship with Jesus. And all that, guard your families. Guard your relationships in the families. And guard your children. Like, like, like uh, Todd was saying about his children. Guard, guard that. Put, put that in high priority. Now we get to go into chapter 5 and 6. It's, uh, the 5 and 6 is very instructional. They're instructional. And it, it talks about older men, younger men. Older women, younger women. And, and, uh, and what's, what's beautiful about this, you know, in the government, just this week, they, they, the House of Representatives went up with some parental rights in what their children are learning, you know. You know and what we have in the Word of God, some instructions about young, old men, young men, old women, young women, and what's written down there doesn't change, even though society might change. Doesn't change. It's still wise instruction. So let's get into it. Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, with all, with all purity, with absolute purity. So you, you know, that, that, that kind of throws us in as a family, doesn't it? And that kind of makes us a family. You know, we, we might not be a blood relationship, but when we gave our life to Jesus, we became spiritual relationship. You know, I have daughters here. I have, man, not, not mothers. Because <laughs> of my age, you know, so but, but we have this inner relationship that the Holy Spirit is affirming to us that is very important. And very important that is sustained and encouraged. Uh, it likes a, I, I love the part, exhort him as if he was your father. And I, I tell you, in this church, in this church, I've been exhorted by the younger people in this church. And I and I do feel like a father to them. And, and I feel my heart to them is like my sons and daughters. And it's an amazing thing. It's an amazing dynamic. So the, he goes right, you know, I was kind of, he spends more time talking about women than he does about men. But, uh, and I don't know why, but, but, but it's, uh, it's very interesting. So he first starts with relationships with women, women in the church. Give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn, learn first of all to put their religion into, into practice by caring for their own families and and so uh, re, re, 
repaying, repaying their parents and godparents for this is pleasing to God. And, and I, I love that. So he, he's saying there, here, he's talking about the older widows, and he's talking about they have children and grandchildren, and they have a place, and they have a place to be effective. And it says, and taking that to note, it pleases God. I thought, this is an instruction here. Is there, is there a reality in Scripture that really shows how God is a hugely pleased by these widows that, that take the challenge that the Holy Spirit gives them and do their part? Is there an example? And the Holy Spirit says, yes, yes there is. There's several examples. I want to talk about Ruth. Ruth, Ruth had a, a his, his, her mother-in-law, a widow. Ruth married her son and became a widow. Both of them, widows. The younger one, out of love for her mother-in-law, said, wherever you go, I go, and went on a journey with her. And, and they were taking this Timothy passage and making it alive. They were, I mean, she could have went, she was young, she could have found an, another man right away. In fact, her mother-in-law kind of encouraged her to do that. But she said, I'm a widow, you're a widow, I'm going to stand with you. And whether, wherever you go, I will go. So she traveled to another land. And all of a sudden, God's wisdom came over her mother-in-law and said, be careful how you connect with Boaz, who you're gleaning his property. So she took the instruction of her widowed mother-in-law and met Boaz. And then that relationship grew. They were married. Boaz took that widow, Naomi, and provided for her. They got married and had children. Wow. This pleases God. Go check the genealogies. That, those two widows coming together and taking care of each other became the lineage of David, but ultimately Jesus. Wow, that's pleasing to God. So this instruction we're hearing is, 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 is oh, by the way, you know what? You... <laughs> You can, oftentimes I got three different commentaries, and I'll go look at them. And then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes on me. The revelation of God's word is inexhaustible. It doesn't end with so-and-so who wrote a commentary. So it's, uh, in fact, reading the commentaries, 
It never took this verse and said, take a look at Ruth, who is a fulfillment of this verse. So, if you're, and we have widows here, if you're a widow, God's for you. He's blessing you. He's helping you. Verse 5, and the widow who is really in need and left all alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and ask God for help. What a high calling for a widow that has no family connection, is left alone. Your assignment is pray. Pray. Seek God day and night. Pray and ask God for help. He's a helper of the helpless. And I think that word helpless would describe a widow with nobody. Then it goes on to say, but the widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she's alive. You know, and that's really possible. That's really possible to be physically alive and dead spiritually. And, and then he goes on to say, give the people these instructions so that th that the one, that no one may be open to blame. Anyone who does not provide for his relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That's amazing. Now, now God called the attention to me because because that's, that's, that's a possibility that we could neglect that word or actually believe that word and act upon it. You know, Nancy and I, Nancy and I, uh, uh, my parents have passed away, her dad has passed away, and her mother was left alone in an apartment building, and, and, and she, she was an independent lady, and she, she was very independent, but we, we saw a decline in her ability to take care of herself and and do take care of her daily things. So the time came where Nancy and I came and talked to her and said, no, you're not living alone, you're moving in with us. You know, and, 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 you can, and we did it gladly, knowing very well it was going to change the atmosphere in the house. We did it gladly because it was the right thing to do. And then she lived off for a number of years, and then she went to be with Jesus. I said, our church, this church, this church is full of good soil. Holy Spirit reminded me that. You are good soil. You are good soil. In fact, then later on, the Holy Spirit says, not only are they good soil, but they will produce a hundredfold. So your potential being here, God raised it up to me, your potential being here is great. Then he reminded me, we have a member of our church. We have a member of our church that saw the need for a mother, even put an addition on a house so the mother could live in their home and yet have her independence. And, and, and that went on for years. And, it was, and, they, and they, they were doing the right thing. Then... Uh, she passed away, and time came. They moved out of the house, and that house was then torn down, and a new house was built. But you know what? The truth of the matter is, that house was torn down, 
but what they did lasts forever. What they did lasts forever. Then we have um, another person in our church that, that things became difficult and, and her husband had to go to rehab, went through surgeries, went to rehab and everything else. But you know what? That, that wasn't the end of her ministry because she would be found every day at her husband's side as he's rehabilitating. Even the fact that, and, and it's been a long journey, but never grows weary of being with her side of her husband and making that little room feel like home. And I could go on and on. I can go on and on about people in this church that, that they disregard their own comfort. There's another one, the, the uncle, you know, and, and a mother, and, and even to the sacrifice of, of being here and being able to be here every Sunday is caring for people in need. This is a church of good soil. This is a church that's going to reap in their lives a hundredfold. This is a church where God's presence is increasing. The presence of Jesus is increasing. This is a church where the power of the Holy Spirit released is becoming more effective and a greater presence in our life. This is a church that is going to bring healing to your bodies, restoration to your relationships. Uh, uh, It's on and on. And and this activity of the Holy Spirit is going to be actively working while ministry is going on. While ministry is going on. This is is an amazing thing. and I, you know, I, I actually, I, I take a little pause here. I woke up really early this morning. The Holy Spirit, get out of bed. I've got more for you out of these verses. And I, and I said, oh, let me just sleep for a little while longer. And then uh, about a half hour later, uh, we have our, my son's dog in the house. I'm here. And I got to get him out of the cage and so he can go potty and all that. And I said, I'm so tired, it's so early in the morning, I'm just going to go upstairs and get a few more. No! Take a look at your notes. Here, God's word, like I mentioned earlier, there is layer after layer after layer after layer what he's trying to communicate to you and me. Beyond the commentaries. It's alive. It's truth. It's amazing. Our God is amazing. Then verse 9. No widow may be put on a list of widows unless she is over 60. Woo, wow. All right. uh, I don't know why they picked that number, but uh, has been faithful to her husband and is well known for her good deeds, such as bringing up children, showing hospitality, washing the feet of the Lord's people, helping those who are in trouble, and devoting herself to all kinds of good deeds. That is a beautiful description of a widow. And then it goes on, to the, now it goes to the younger widows, I guess under 60. Isn't it be wonderful to be 59 and call yourself young? 
<laughs> I love that. You know, it's, it's, it's but uh, it, now, now she talks to the younger. I don't know, uh, whatever, the younger. As the younger widows, do not put them in such a list like the older ones, for their, for when their central desires overcome their dedication to Christ, they want to, to marry. Now, uh, and I want you to see, this is not about sex. This, this is about a desire to have somebody in their life. You know, a uh, little side note, sex doesn't keep marriages together. Thus, they bring judgment on, the, on themselves because they have broken their first pledge. Besides, they get into a habit of being idle, going about from house to house. And not only do they become idlers, but also busybodies who talk nonsense, saying things they ought not. So I counsel younger women to marry have children, manage their house, and give the enemy no opportunity for slander. Some have, in fact, already turned away and followed Satan. You know, and, and what, I guess what you're saying here, if you're widowed and you're young, there's nothing wrong with pursuing a relationship. Nothing wrong with it. And in fact, if, if you start wandering away from the God that loves you out of grief or whatever's taking place, you're going to get yourself in a lot of trouble. And God wants to save you from that difficulty. From that difficulty. Verse 16, if any woman who is a believer has widows in her care, she should continue to help them and let them and let the church and not let the church be burdened with them so that the church can help those widows who really are really in need. I want to back up there. Hear what it says here. The woman who has a believer has a widow in her care. And I won't repeat it all over again. That's the story of Ruth. All over again. That that they she burdened nobody. Her one sister went on, and there was nothing wrong with her, what her other sister did, but she wanted to find a little higher ground, and said, "Naomi, whether you, wherever you go, I will go." That always blessed Nancy sang that song to me at our wedding. Whither thou goest, I will go. It's always a reminder to me. So <clears throat> then, uh, then it goes on, leaves the women, puts them outside, and goes on to instructions for leaders. Instructions for leaders. The elders who direct the affairs of the church will well are worthy of double honor, especially those who work in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, do not muzzle the ox that treads, treads out the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. 
and uh, and and that's uh, that's a norm normal in the American church and churches that that they have pastors, they're hired, and they and they have a salary, and it, and it should be gladly given. It should be gladly given. So it's uh, and it also talks about. And it talk, not only talks about preachers, but it talks about elders who are doing the work in the church. And that, uh, that uh, you all have a wonderful staff in this church. You know, in pastors and leaders. I, every time you have a leadership meeting, I am amazed at the wisdom of the leaders in this church. And, and their heart, their heart to listen to the Holy Spirit. And that their heart is... You know, not just the mundane running of the church, but what's God up to? Yeah, and I and I and our leadership meeting is all about listening to the Holy Spirit. And what do you have? What's the direction you have? Where do you want us to go? What are you up to? How can we support what you're up to in Jesus' name? Then it says, um, Do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it is brought by two or three witnesses, which Jesus talked about. He says, you know, uh, he, t- he talks about a whole procedure before it even goes before the church. That you go, right, go to the person first, bring, a, bring somebody with you, and, and finally bring it to the church. But those elders who are sinning, you are to reprove, reprove before everyone, so that the others uh, may take warning. I charge you in the sight of God and in Christ Jesus and the elect angels. I stopped there. I said, what, what's the, it kind of caught me out of context. Elect the angels. Now, my three commentaries didn't even go there. I had to go to the old phone. Now, I don't know how accurate that is, brother, but I said, who's owed the electric angels, you know, in context of this verse? And, and, of course, it says, in the sight of God, Jesus Christ, and what I got off of there, and I, and I have a tendency to believe what it says, it said online, versus the commentaries didn't even go there. And it said, elect angels are those two-thirds of angels that did not rebel against God himself. They're the angels that are taking orders from headquarters of the Father. They're the angels that Catherine sees, that Sandy sees, my wife sees, that I've seen. And they're, they're those angels that, that God has assigned to watch over this fellowship. So, what he says, he says, in the sight of God the Father, in the sight of Jesus Christ, and all those supporting angels that God has assigned to your life in this church, in their sight, to keep these instructions without partiality and to do nothing out of favoritism. You know, and, and Nancy and I were talking about that verse. You know, a lot of times, at least the church we went to, and, and they tried, they really tried to do a good job, but it seemed like when they had an election to find leaders, 
it wasn't always who was godly, seeking God, and following after God. It was more out of their popularity in the church. Popularity in a church is not a qualification for leadership. And and I think I think they they um, I won't I'll go a little I wasn't going to go here but uh, but a little th things I uh, some of those leaders while they tried to persecute me for believing in in all the gifts of the spirit uh, they they were talking in my opinion out of ignorance as they would attack me for speaking in tongues, believing in miracles, and this. And, and the, ones, the ones that seem to be in that, some of those camps were the ones that could have been picked out of popularity rather than the knowledge of who God is. Follow me? It's very important. And I thank the Lord for, for our leadership team, how... how uh, as far as I'm concerned, as we pick these leaders and and, and seem to, to identify who they were, in my heart, I looked at who they were, their faith in Jesus, their character, their walk, their beliefs, and who, who Jesus is and all that thing. And we have at this church an amazing group of spirit-filled, knowledge of the word of God leaders. That's a blessing. That's a blessing. So um, that goes into verse 22. Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands and do not sh share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. Uh, it, it's telling the church, as you're, as you're coming together with leadership of the church, don't be quick. Don't be quick to, to get people on leadership. You know, test the waters. Test who they are. Test the, their character. Test what they believe. And don't be fast about laying hands on them and, and putting them in, in a position of leadership. The sins of some are obvious. Reaching a place of judgment ahead of them. The sins of others trail behind them. In the same way, good deeds are obvious. And even those who are, are not even those that are not obvious cannot remain hidden. And and that's really important as you and I as you and I seek to praise God and do his will in our life. Uh, I, there, I, there's stuff going on in this church that I, I don't know. But I, I believe it's all good. And, and what, you know, what, if they're taking Jesus for real, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. If, if, if you're out there doing things, you don't have to shoot, shout, uh, blow the trumpet, and Larry, oh, I did this, oh, man. You know, you know what you do for the kingdom what you and I do for the kingdom will not remain hidden. Because there's a day, there's a day of rewards when, the, when, 
what you're doing for Jesus Christ will be shouted out by Jesus himself. And it will be revealed. Very important. Very important. Hmm. I'm good. Uh, Nancy and I were saying there's so many scriptures on how, how time was going to be. So, uh, And then we now we move into chapter 6. <clears throat> All who are under the yoke of slavery should consider their masters worthy in full respect, so that God's name and our teaching may not be slandered. Those who have believing masters should not show them disrespect just because they are, they are fellow believers. Instead, they should serve them even better because their masters are dear to them as fellow believers and are devoted to the welfare of their slaves. These are the things you are to teach and insist on. I'm going to tell you, as a businessman for many years, running a manufacturing company and having many employees, and this was told to me, and it also became somewhat a reality, that my biggest mistakes in hiring was hiring a believer. They didn't hear this word. We heard a testimony this morning from Michael, who's working hard and diligent in the job and working as a Christian in a really a non-Christian organization. And he was amazed that he got triple the bonus. God is able to provide. But be careful about your walk. Be careful about your walk. And you know, and then I went to seminars, and they would say they would tell me the same thing. They would tell me the same thing. Uh, the the people who run companies and hire Christians were disappointed because the Christian didn't put out the same effort as the non-Christian. What a awful testament to the body of Christ. So us who are employed, do your best, work hard, uh, don't badmouth your bosses, uh, do what they say, and in fact, the, the Jesus kind of way, do beyond their expectation. Willingly. Not to get, not to get, but just because it's the right thing. Yeah, Juan has to go out in terrible weather and deliver packages. You got know, to praise the Lord all the way. Well, the rain is falling on, right, Juan? <laughs> so, so it's uh, and then we amazing that that scripture would be here, and then we'd hear a testimony from Michael, how how he's working hard and he didn't even expect it. But God knows how to reward those who diligently seek after him. Say it again. God knows how to reward 
those who diligently seek after him. Not bellyaching about their boss, not bellyaching about what they were asked to do, not bellyaching, why do I have to do this and the other guy doesn't have. You're going to have umpteen all kinds of excuses to complain when God is saying rejoice. Rejoice in the opportunity. Rejoice in the opportunity. Because God knows how to reward those who diligently seek after him. He knows. He knows how to give Michael triple the bonus that he needed for his family. He knows your circumstances. He he knows your needs before you even tell him. How do I know that? Because he says in his word, he will start doing it before you ever ask. Isn't that amazing? So then, 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 and, uh, then it goes on. If anyone teaches otherwise and not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the godly teaching, they are conceited and understanding nothing. They have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result only result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and contract contract friction between people of corrupt minds who have been robbed of the truth. I this this is really sound instruction. To sound instruction, uh, don't be busy with all this stuff that we just mentioned. Then he said. Then he goes on. I love what he goes on to say. I love what he goes on. And who thinks that godliness is a mean of financial gain? That's a big one. That's a, that's the one you preach sometimes. Do good, get good. Do bad, get bad. That's not in the Bible. And to put in your mind, put in your mind that somehow my good behavior is going to result in financial gain. He's, he's, Paul's saying it's not. It's not. But what is it? Godliness with contentment. Big word. Big word. Paul even mentioned that in another place. He said, I've learned to be content. That means, that means you're happy where you are. All right? Here. Who think that godliness is a means of financial gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. You get it? Where's our focus? Our focus is, oh, I've done so much good, God, I deserve you to take care of me. Instead of saying, God, I'm going to follow you no matter what. I'm going to follow your ways. I'm going to follow your principles. And, and where I am today, I'm content knowing you 
as my helper, my provider, my healer, my deliverer. And he says, great gain. Great gain. It's a matter, it's a matter of fact, what, what he's trying to say here, guys, is trying to boast of all our righteousness is not going to get us anywhere. But boasting of who he is in us is going to get us everywhere. It's going to get us through those tough times. Because learning to be content, learning to be content, that's, that means in any circumstance that you find yourself in. And now the door is open to say, I believe you, Father. I trust you, Father. I thank you, Father. And I know you care about me more than I even care about myself. Hmm. For, goes on, for we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. You know, and this is just for me. I'm going to say this, and, and no condemnation if you've ever bought, because I have, I, have, I have in the past, I don't do it anymore. I have bought a lot. Man, there's millions up there. I'm going to get me a lottery ticket. And, and I've, done, I've done that, and I'm not there now. Because I said, you know what, God, I'm content with where you are. I'm content with where you're helping me. I'm content, Lord. And if you want me to win a lottery, have somebody buy up a ticket for a birthday present and give it to me. <laughs> you know? So, because I don't have to do this because you are my provider. You're my helper. And, and this whole striving, striving, and in fact, some of the most wealthiest people in the world are still striving to get more. There's no end to that. You know about them in, the, in your business that you're in. You know, and, and, and it, it may cause you, what it's saying here, it may cause you to do unethical things because you're all about money. I love a phrase a guy used to say, uh, he, he'd say, you know, God, you, you got you to help me, Lord. I, Lord, I'm, my name is Jimmy. I'll take all you give me. So, so it's just a, it's, but God is a God that knows what you need and give you just what you need when you need it. it happened, it's happened umpteen times in my own life that, that in the least expected ways, God provides which gives, makes me remember, because this verse coming up here, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. <clears throat> Let's stop there. And, and I wasn't ready for this. I was a brand new Christian. And, and just diving myself in the word. Like, you know, the first assignment God gave me 
when I gave my life to Jesus, they read the whole New Testament. I ran to the farm, and I had a hunger for what that says. And over the years now, I never get tired of it because there's layers and layers and layers of him defining and helping me see who he is. Well, back then I was a new believer, and, and we were using temporary help. And, uh, and, uh, and the foreman out in the shop came in to me and says, got to get this guy out of here. Uh, there's something wacko about him. That's all he understood. I said, well, bring him in the office. So he brought him in the office. Sat down in my office, sat there, and he started spewing out things that, and one of the things he said, one of the things he said, he misquoted this verse. And he looked at me and said, you know, money is evil. That's what the Bible says. I said, yeah, I said, man alive, dude, you mispronounced, you, you didn't quote that right. And, and I, so I quoted it correctly to him. I said, it says, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Then he went ballistic. He grabbed my Bible, threw it across the room. He was going crazy. And, and, and I was here, a brand new believer, right in front of a person demon-possessed. And so I, I but, and that, then I, I followed him by door, and then the, the agency that brought him just at that time uh, came in, took him away. It was very quick after he threw, he, he grabbed my bottom and I threw it. Oh, is that offensive? That, blah, blah. He was going crazy. Then he left a little note. And to this day, I'm glad it's so erased I can't remember what it said. I asked God to remove it from my memory. It was such a demonic, evil, vile things that he wrote. I can't remember it because God took it away from my memory. But, but, and, I, and I said, I regret the day I opened it. And, and it took years to get that out of my brain. Out of my brain. It's a, <clears throat> be careful. Be careful as believers walking in the light, walking in Jesus Christ, that you have the word down and you have the word accurately down and you have the word in its true meaning down, and because the enemy is relentless, and he tr he's trying to rob the word of God out of our life, and even bring people into my presence to misquote it. And that will happen. That will happen. Make sure you know what Jesus says, the, what the word says, because that, that's, the, that's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's the only thing, the only weapon that's going to make him back off. He's not going to back off because you're, you're so spiritual. He's not going to back off because you're following Jesus. He's going to back off because you know the Word and you use the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Then it goes on. <clears throat> Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith 
and pierced themselves with many griefs. But, verse 11, but you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness. Pursue, pursue who you are. I've often said this on Sunday morning. Do you know who you are? Do you know who you are in Jesus? You're righteous. So pursue righteousness out of being righteous. You're righteous. You know, you might not feel righteous, but when God looks at you, he sees you're righteous. See yourself righteous and be righteous. Godliness. Godliness. <laughs> you know, it, uh, I, I get regrets in my own life. Nancy doesn't even know about this. We were at Target yesterday. And I knew I was supposed to do, but it fleed away from me. I didn't get a chance. There was this mother with a little, small, blonde daughter. And while the mother was going through the stuff, she was just staring at me. The daughter was staring at me. And I knew what I had to say. I prayed, I prayed for her since. I prayed for her again this morning. What, what that little girl was seeing was seeing Jesus in me. And she was, in, in, uh, I forgot the word. She was in fixic, no, <laughs> fixated, in fixated, no, fixated, in staring at me. And the mother was busy, and and I knew right then I was supposed to talk to the mother and prophetically say, "Your daughter's seeking Jesus." But got away from Nancy, got away, and they took off to another part of the store, and I didn't get a chance to do it. But but godliness. You know, have the quality of God in your life that people see him in you. See him in you. Godliness. Faith. Beautiful. I've been praying for this church for years. Greater faith. Greater faith. Greater faith. This place, faith is rising in the house. You're going through different seasons of your life and difficulty in your life. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. Faith may be the only thing you've got going for you. Practice it. Believe it. Have faith rise up, even before you see the results of faith. <coughs> love. Love. There's love in the house, isn't there? And one of the things people comment when they come in this place is they run into love. The love of Jesus. The love of people that maybe are going through a tough time, but you love them, you love them. And, and my job is to allow that love of Jesus to continually flow in my life. Even to the unlovable. Because they're all loved by God. They're all loved by God. Endurance. God wants to give us the strength to run the marathon and wind up first. That's endurance. Staying, never giving up. There's no option to give up. None. Endurance. And gentleness. People, 
don't need fire coming out of the preacher's mouth to bring you to huge condemnation. What they need to hear is all these things operating from the mouth of one ministering to bring conviction to go higher. Increase faith. Follow at a greater level. Love him more. Gentleness. Gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. That <clears throat> and take hold of eternal life which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God, who gives life to everything. Ah, I stopped there. The God I serve brings life to everything? Is that the God you're walking with that brings life to every, hey, everything means nothing is, is, is not included. Everything. He brings life to everything. Woo, I'm, I'm a walking, living lifer. For Jesus, and, and I carry life. I, and, and what the gospel gives life. Because that's why it's called eternal life. That's the gospel. You, and he's talking about, you gave, hey, you gave your life and you declared Jesus as Lord. You come into life. That's why Jesus could say, hey, the life I give is supernatural. I give it in abundance. In abundance, who gives life in everything. Do you believe that? I believe that with all my heart. I believe that in all my heart. No matter what goes on in the business world and different things and relationships and all that, I hang on to the fact that God is giving life in everything, everywhere I go, everywhere I go. And of Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made a good confession, I, I charge you. What was it? What was a good confession before Pilate? I am. You define. I am. He heard that from the mouth of Jesus. I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, which God is willing, will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in, in unapproachable light, who no one has seen or can see, in him is honor and might forever. Amen. Did that, is that time already? Oh, oh my. Real quick, real quick. I, I, real quick, I'll skip those other verses. Uh, I'll, you know, just to highlight a part, the next verse says, put your hope uh, don't put your hope in wealth. Put your hope in God. 
And if you need to get kids, go get them. I, I need to finish this off. All right? It's so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Jesus is truly life. He's really life. And in closing, kind of go through that fast, back to where we started with. Back to where we started with. Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter and opposing ideas of what is false, a falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and in so doing have departed from faith. You know, so a lot of stuff comes across. They're really clever. Oh, the knowledge. Oh, I never, oh, wow. Stick to the basics of who Jesus is to you, the life giver, the life giver, and follow him with all your heart and soul and mind. And you know what? We'll do our part in helping you on the journey. Your part is guard what you possess. Guard, please, guard what you possess. In Jesus' name, Father, bless us. In Jesus' name, bless the words that were proclaimed, Lord. Father God, they are fallen into good soil. I thank you, Lord. Good soil. And Father God, good soil will produce a hundredfold in your life, in my life. Take it, receive it, and let it grow within you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Hello again, this is Pastor Todd. I pray the Lord uses my message today to strengthen your walk with God. If you were blessed by this message and would like to support the ministry of The Gathering Place financially, I encourage you to use our online giving portal at tgpchicago.org. The portal uses PayPal's secure site so none of your information is compromised. Once again, thank you for tuning in to The Gathering Place podcast. God bless you and have a great week.